Hello, welcome to Remember When. I'm your host, Carl Schulteis. UMGA-TV and the Historical Society are continuing this series as an oral history project of life and community in Upper Marion Township. In their own words, we want the people who live the history of the township to tell us about that history. This edition features the Vanicellis. David and Mary share with us their experience of living in Upper Marion since the 1950s. They recall raising a family and working with the King of Prussia Indians. Let's sit back and listen to the Vanicellis remember when. Mary, David, thanks for joining us today. Really Thank appreciate you. you coming in today. We're happy and to be here. Tell us a little bit about what you remember about Upper Marion. I understand you were, were you born and raised here in Upper Marion? No, I uh, was born in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. lived in West Philadelphia. And Dave was born in Philadelphia and lived in Southwest Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And when did you come to Upper Marion? In March. March, March 1958. Okay. So, what, where did you move when you first came here? In what area? Candlebrook, where we still are. Oh, we still are. Okay. Well, tell us about Candlebrook at that time. What do you, uh, uh, when, when you first moved in there? Well, there are 76 homes that were built at the same time in Candlebrook. Mm -hmm. Was this just at the time they were initiating the construction of the area? Yeah, right. when, we, when we moved. When yeah. we were looking, we just picked out a plot. Mm -hmm. And we used to come and visit our plot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and there was nothing there but dirt. Um, that's all that's all we knew right. this but, was going to be our home okay but uh was it was it uh farm fields or corn fields what uh when they uh, were uh, originally cow pasture this cow pasture yeah. right. the whole area was cow pasture and farm mm -hmm. the uh, how long did it take them to build your home um well I think we we came up looking around in uh, around in August September of the year before we moved and uh, fifty seven. Yeah, they had they had the they had the house built by the holidays, but then they had to come back the following spring to grade the ground and everything because of the the, the winter had set in. Mm -hmm. So we moved in. As a matter of fact, when we moved in, we had scheduled a a weekend move I think in in early March and we had a bad snowstorm so we had a we had move a ticket it move it move it uh, forward a week and we came the following week and uh, that's when we moved in uh, were you were you newlyweds at the time or had you been married for a while uh, we had been married uh, about six or seven oh, years, yes. I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when we moved up here, our older, we have two daughters. Mm -hmm. Our older daughter was a, almost three. And the younger daughter was just about three months. Three months. Okay. When we moved up here. Okay. And we had a house, but we had no grass, <laughs> no trees. We had a lot of mud. <laughs> and a lot of mud. mud. And everybody had a couple kids. Yeah. The uh, um, can you guess how many uh, kids were on your block when you moved in? Well, I mm. think every home 
had at least one. <laughs> the normal was about a couple of kids. Mm -hmm. Two or three. Or more. Yeah. We, because our, our house is a four bedroom. So it was very attractive for right. a family. The, uh, and where were you working at the time? Well, our reason for thinking of moving up this way to begin with was I was working with General Electric Missile in Space, and we had started out down in Philadelphia, and with the, you know, with the anticipation of moving up to the hill here when they built the GE facility, and I think our particular group of homes uh, the, the families that moved in, there were a lot of us that moved, you know, with that reason in mind that we were going to work up, up in, you know, Valley Forge. And, uh, you know, you could practically walk up there from where we, you know, where we settled here. So we, uh, but unfortunately, by the time they had it built and they decided, you know, what to do and everything, the, the workforce built up so much that they split into two divisions and um, I was assigned <laughs> to stay in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Oh. So you commuted, so, so commuted I, the I other I wound way. up commuting. Right. The, uh, I, as I recall why GE was the, really the, the biggest employer. Well, they were, they were the reason I think that there was a, a big buildup in, in, you know, in King of Prussia sure. at the time. Yeah. Because I think a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, guys and, and, and ladies that I knew at the time, uh, moved up here with that in reason, you know, mm -hmm. being the reason, yeah. How big an employer, do you, do you have any idea how big the employment was at GE at that time? At its height, when, when uh, just before they uh, moved up here, uh, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of about 14,000, 15,000 people. As a matter of fact, when I was in Philadelphia, we were in the old, uh, it used to be an old, a&P Warehouse, I think, at 32nd and Chestnut, mm -hmm. and they converted it to office. And uh, we wound up having to uh, rent another small building just in back of the, the GE building. And then there was a location on uh, 30th and Walnut, which was a, about a block and a half away from where we were, and they, they, they took that building. So. And they had people squirreled away in hotels and motels, mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, while they were waiting for, for Valley Forge to be built. Yeah. Yeah. When you say uh, uh, you were working for GE on the Hill, what's the, what's the present, um, who's presently occupying that, that facility? Lockheed Martin. That's uh, Lockheed, Lockheed Martin, Martin now, right. yeah. yeah. It's right off there, right off of Wall Road or Wall Boulevard? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. okay. of the mall. Right. Okay. And the... And, uh, the type of work that was done there, you, was it mostly administrative or design mm -hmm. or what? Well, I, would, uh, I was in the uh, engineering engineering department. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was design work you were doing? Uh, not exactly design. My particular uh, work at the time, and, and I, uh, I had previously worked in that area anyway, was in uh, specifications and standards, technical documentation. Station, that type of thing. But was there the design work done there? Oh yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, and uh, and how many years did you work with uh, GE? Well, I actually had two tours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I worked about fifteen years, and um, 
back in, uh, I guess, the early 70s, maybe around 71, 72, they, they had big layoffs. Mm -hmm. We had we had either lost some contracts or some of the contracts that we did have were tailing off. And uh, I was laid off and I, uh, I got recalled in 74. Uh, they had recalled some people with the anticipation of getting another big contract. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess I was there about two years until 1976. And then um, that kind of fell by the wayside also. So I, I left there and uh, previously, before I went to GE, I had worked for the government. So I went back to working for the government. I worked for the Naval Air Systems people. And uh, all told, I guess, because they gave us a year of, um, an additional year of eligibility if you were on layoff. Mm -hmm. So all told, I was just short of 20 years with GE. Yeah. I see. Just out of curiosity, where'd you go to college? Uh, <laughs> Okay, uh, what is now Widener, uh -huh. uh, back in my days, was Pennsylvania Military right. College. Right. And that's where I went, yeah. Yeah, all right. Okay, the, uh, now, let's, uh, a little bit of background as far as, as you're concerned, Mary. And uh, when, you, when you were here and you moved into the area, what did you do at that point? Were you a homemaker? Uh, or At that you... point, I had a three-year-old and a, an infant. Vince, right. And we had one car, which she took to work. Uh, what kind so of car I was, was it? A gray DeSoto. Yeah, we still had the old DeSoto at the time. Yeah. yeah. And what old year was trusty. that? Old trusty. What, what year was that? Well, I, I had 15. bought that DeSoto, right? Uh, well, I had it before we got married. Yeah, it was a... Uh, uh, it was a 46 DeSoto, so, one of the first cars they built after the war, war was over. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was a, it was a beauty. Yeah. Yeah. People, it took a couple of years before you were able to get a car after the war. If you got a 46, yeah, well, I you think got, that was you got one, one of the, the early ones. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. uh, I can remember waiting like two years before we were able to get a car. Yeah. It was really uh, oh, after the war was, was over. That was his baby. Yeah. He took care yeah. of it. <laughs> no, it, was yeah. a, it was a really nice car. Very nice. Yeah. Well, At any rate, um, so I was pretty well uh, you were kind a of homemaker. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, and we all were at that point. Very few families had two cars at that time. Most of us had small kids, raising the kids and making sure they got to nursery school. Or We used to have up to carpool mm -hmm. to get to nursery school at that time. Our older yeah. daughter went to nursery school at the old Gulf School, which is now an office facility, mostly medical. Right. Right. But at that time, that's where the nursery and kindergarten classes were. When you started out in the nursery school, how old was she when you first sent her to nursery school? Um, she was almost ready for kindergarten because... Because of the birthdays, where the birthdays fell, mm -hmm. um, sometimes you couldn't get them into school. Right. At that time, you had to wait for the next class or the next year. 
Do, do you remember any of the teachers there at the nursery school? Uh, not at the nursery school. school. Okay. But when they started at Candlebrook, I, one thing I want to mention, our second daughter was born with a heart defect. And um, we had to watch her and still treat her normally, which is hard to do sometimes. <laughs> but we did the best that we could. And I used to pull her in a red wagon around to the front of Candlebrook. Our home is not on the corner. It's on Crossfield and right alongside our home is the back walkway or driveway into the back of the Candlebrook facility. Absolutely. So I right around the corner and off oh, we <laughs> went. And it was fun because, well, actually it wasn't fun when it was raining no. <laughs> or the snow right. because they didn't plow that. The streets came first and they didn't plow it at first, but we had fun. And Candlebrook, I knew every nook and cranny. At the time we moved up here and our girls went to Candlebrook, Shirley Fine was president and principal, was principal of that school, of Candlebrook at right. that time. Mm -hmm. And Shirley was in my graduating class at Overbrook High School. Oh, was she? Yes. That, that and she lived in the area here. Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you remember any of the other teachers? That the, oh, the, yes. The, the kindergarten had. teacher was Nancy Craig, who still lives in the neighborhood. She lives right alongside of the new facility at the middle school. Mm -hmm. So we were always very close. Uh, I remember uh, Mr. Chiquino. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mr. Voto. Okay. The, the girls didn't always have the same teachers, but uh, we always, we always, they were good teachers and they were um, conscientious with the children. They knew their children, their students, and they brought out the best in them. And it was a pleasure to work and go around to Candlebrook. And uh, they spent how many years at Candlebrook? Uh, at that time, up until sixth grade. Right. They didn't break it off like they have it now, <coughs> you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and they went there till sixth grade. Do you can you recall any of the um, curriculum say that they had in in school at the time? Would, would I wonder if it would be any different than today? That's really what I'm asking. Um, I don't know that it's different than today. It's just the same thing in a different way. Outlook. Yeah. Right. One of the things I remember was they were um, into different cultures and foods and housing. And at the time, the young, our young daughter had Mr. Chiquino. And what he asked was for all the children with different ethnic backgrounds to bring in something, preferably food, 
uh, and we would put it out so they could, we had a food tasting party, which is what it was. Mm -hmm. um, and he specifically asked me to bring polenta. Now, today you can go to some restaurants that are not Italian and order that. And it's, but he asked me to make it specifically and I did and brought it in. He had a ball. So tell me what polenta is. I'm not familiar it's with- It's cornmeal. Cornmeal. It's cornmeal, yeah. well, cornmeal mush, okay? You make it with cornmeal and mm -hmm. water and stir it like you would oatmeal. Mm -hmm. Anything else in it? Made no, it, made no. it different? That's it. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. No. Of course, you dressed it up with different sauces. Oh, well, that was, I guess that's you, what I'm asking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, didn't, it didn't sound like much for the system, with, uh, with, a slab uh, of cornmeal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And what kind of sauces would you put on that? Well, I'd put our own style spaghetti sauce. Uh -huh. We call it sauce or <laughs> gravy. <laughs> gravy, okay. Take your yeah. choice. <laughs> and uh, did others put other, uh, what would be some of the other things that might, somebody might put on it? Well, um, sometimes they liked a uh, uh, oil and garlic based sauce. Mm -hmm. That would be an alternative. Which was spicy. Yeah, okay. Yes, All right. salt and pepper. Garlic and oil. Now, what did what did the girls do after school in terms of uh, playing and, and so on? Okay, um, our older daughter had ballet for oh a year, maybe two. Mm -hmm. Where'd she take that? Uh, there was a teacher on two hundred two, um, right near where the Pinecrest Apartments are. There were homes that were off the highway, mm -hmm. long driveway, and up there were, there were, I would say maybe three, four homes up there. And she had her dancing school there. Our younger daughter was eight and a half. She had open heart surgery. And where was that done? That was done in Philadelphia at Hahnemann Hospital. Okay. And- uh, Do you remember the surgeon that did it? Uh, Dr. Daniel Downing, God rest his soul, yeah. he was in charge of the pediatric cardiology right. department. He, he was her heart doctor. He was her heart doctor. The other doctor did the uh, Dr. surgery. Dr. Nichols. Nichols. Dr. Nichols. Yeah. Um, they, had, they had worked with and were taught by Dr. Charles Bailey, mm -hmm. who's very well known in that field. And when he was at Hahnemann, he had worked with the pediatric doctors and the, the adult doctors, I'll, I'll say. Mm -hmm. um, and Dr. Nichols lived in Wayne and had a daughter about the same age as our younger daughter. And they be, became pen pals. It was uh, very illuminating because our younger daughter just idolized Dr. Nichols and Dr. Downing. <laughs> They're both deceased now, right. God rest their yeah. souls. They were mm -hmm. nice people. So how did the surgery turn out for your daughter? It turned out very well. Um, 
she was able to grow normally. She had her surgery in July. I forget the year. And uh, they promised me, Dr. Downing promised me, because I was apprehensive and anxious sure. and scared. Sure. And promised me that she would be able to go to school when it was time in September. And she did. When school, right after Labor Day, the first day of school, we had a little parade because Donna was able to walk to school. Oh, okay. And the children who knew her, played with her, we had a little parade. We walked all the way up to, to, off to Crossfield to Prince Frederick and made a turn into the school property. And it was uh, traumatic for me, <laughs> yeah. but it was great. Yeah. It was great. Some of those same kids that she grew up with in Candlebrook grew up to be nice men and women. Nice men and women. Another common thing that we had, both of us, was football. And Dave was coaching at that time. He started coaching when he was 19 years old, going to Drexel at night. And he was coaching football. We were married 17 years and we had a chance to go to Hawaii through Bob, De Bob Levy, who every year put together a, a what would you call it? Like an all-star an all-star all team. team from the from an all-star team from the general Delaware Valley area. Area they had tryouts and. Uh, I think they picked a squad of about 35, 36 kids, and they had like 300 kids come out yeah. for tryouts. Was, so was, we was this the Little Quakers? Yes. 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 yes, it was. So that year I was lucky enough to have two, two boys. Two boys on make, that team. The team yeah. Yeah. That was quite an accomplishment. Very good. <laughs> Bob yeah. Levy's office, one of, the, one of the secretaries called our home. I answered, and uh, we were invited on the chartered plane that took <laughs> him, that's Bob Levy, right. mm -hmm. his family, mm -hmm. the coaches and their spouses, and very few parents. He had at the time right. about 36, 38 boys mm -hmm. on this chartered plane. And we were invited to go. And that was our first trip to Hawaii. We won the game, by the way. Yes, yeah. yes, we did. Yeah. How'd you get involved with coaching? How did I get involved? Well, uh, I actually started uh, when, when I was going to PMC. Um, I played a couple of years there. And... Uh, I had a cousin who lived out in Drexel Hill, and I used to visit him quite, you know, quite often. And they had a little neighborhood team, uh, something I guess equivalent to our MDP, mm -hmm. uh, you know, organization. 
And um, the only thing is they didn't have a coach. So I volunteered myself, mm -hmm. having never coached, but played a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I think what really, I guess what really uh, got me into it, so to speak, was uh, I did it for a couple years and um, some of the, you know, some of the uh, activities that, you know, that these boys had had participated in, especially, in, you know, in, in sports and everything, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you, you begin to get to know them a little bit, sure. you know, personally, as far as, you know, not just the sport itself. Mm -hmm. And um, what I found was that uh, uh, there was a lot of, um, if you will, I'll call it sentimentality, uh, you know, from the kids for, the, you know, for somebody putting their, you know, like myself, putting their time mm -hmm. and effort, you know, into keeping them, uh, you know, together. And uh, we often had, you know, some of the boys, you know, send me birthday cards and, you know, that kind of stuff. And it made you feel like, you know, you were, you know, accomplishing something, you know, and not, not just from the sports end of it, but from, um, you know, helping these kids grow, you know, grow into, uh, you know, young men. And uh, after that, I, I, I just kept doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Were you, uh, did you coach the whole team or just general uh, specific, specific areas? Well, I coached out, uh, I coached out there in Drexel Hill for several years. And, uh, during that time, I guess Mary and I met, and we got married and, uh, but at the time that we moved out here, I, I had not coached for a couple of years, I guess, on account of we had the small children and, uh, when we had the opportunity to uh, get involved with the Indians here, that's when I I took it up again. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like it's it's like it's in here. It's in your blood. <laughs> well, I understand that you were instrumental in the development of the whole program. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, we moved up here. We had two little kids mm -hmm. and one car. He saw an ad in the local paper just about three lines. They were looking for coaches. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, I'm gonna go to this meeting. And I said, fine. And at the time, the quote meeting mm -hmm. was at what they used to call the township building right. that was a quote shack, actually, that was on the property over by the Germantown Bank, right on the corner of Allendale, 202 and right. Allendale Road. Right. That's okay. the old uh, Union School in the Stewart Fun Hall. It was, it was an old shack. That's all I can tell you because I had occasion to walk in there yeah. with him one time and there were... The, the wooden floors had holes and you could see down and there was nothing because it was a sinkhole. 
but that's that's here and there. <laughs> They're there. And he went to this meeting without me. Mm -hmm. And yes, he told me where he was going and mm -hmm. I knew what was gonna mm -hmm. happen. <laughs> he came back, he came home and I said, well, how did you do? Um, oh, fine. He said, uh, I'm gonna be coaching. And uh, by the way, I volunteered you as secretary. <laughs> and I was a little bit, wow. <laughs> And he had this black one inch loose leaf book mm -hmm. and inside was an eight by 10 picture of about six little girls in cheerleading outfits. And that's how I started with the King of Prussia Indians. That's <laughs> all I had to start with. And I knew, I knew I needed more. I needed to find out what, how, why. And so at one of the first meetings mm -hmm. that we had in, as an organization at that time, um, I could see that uh, we had a lot at stake. We had a family, we had a new home, and of course we had mortgages at that time too. And I wanted more security. I wanted more. I needed more background. And I decided to go up to the lawyer. At that time, the lawyer's office was at Tanglewood Apartments mm -hmm. on the corner. And Joe Torak was there. And Jonathan DeYoung was there. I spoke with Joe Torak, and he was very cooperative. And um, he understood the situation and he started proceedings to have our group incorporated. It was not easy at that time because no one had gotten into that. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and uh, I decided if I was going to be in it, I was going to jump with both feet. Okay. And with him spending the kind of time that I knew was going to, it right. was going to take, that was my feeling. They had a board of directors? Yes, in yes we did. Yes, we had. We had coaches, who, who, but we only had, what was it, three or four teams? Three teams? No, I think we started out, we only had three teams. Three yeah. teams. I mean, three weight Three, three weight, weight teams, categories. Yeah. Uh, let's just talk about that in a second. Talk, let's talk about your... Your board of directors, you remember any of those people who were on that board of directors? Oh, heavens, yes. Most of them are gone now. Mm -hmm. um, we had Harvey Aiken. He's Jim gone. Dunn. Jim Dunn. Jim Dunn. Franny Rupert. Rupert. Mm -hmm. They're all gone. There was the Bob, uh, the big tall man that lived in Lafayette Park. I forget his last name. Remember any of the coaches? Oh, yeah. yes. Charlie Eisman. Chuck Eisman. He was, there were six or six of us, or seven of six or seven of us that had to sign the, the incorporation papers. Right. Okay. And Mr. Eisman at that time was the head coach of the largest weight team that we had, which was like, 115 or 118 pounds. Mm -hmm. 
he was the head coach of that team, and he signed with us. Uh, also, Franny Rupert was senior, because there's a junior. Mm -hmm. Franny Rupert Sr. was the president at that time. He signed, and the treasurer at that time was Ann Shrunk. Uh, you said you had three weight classes? Is that right? When we started, when we yes. Started, okay. Mm -hmm. And how many kids did you have on a, on a squad? We probably... Averaged we, about 20. I, I guess at the time, because it was uh, there were so many new people in the neighborhood, we, had a, we used to get a good turnout yeah. of kids. Um, we probably had 25, 30 kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, per, per team. Yeah. Right. And uh, what did you do for funding for equipment and stuff like that? <laughs> well, well, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> went into a lot of debt. Yeah. Uh, no, we uh, uh, we did uh, we did you know what we Bank could sales. what we could handle. We right. we did uh, fundraising, but not on a you know not on a very big scale. Mm -hmm. uh, um, we probably did things like. Uh, uh, I think we had raffles and, 50 uh, and at the games we would have 50-50 uh, drawings. Um, I think at the time, I'm not sure that we did it way back then, but uh, eventually uh, as the organization grew, we did uh, ad advertising, mm -hmm. you know, ad, ad books. Um, canvassing the businesses and, uh, in the we area. Canvass the business, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. people in the area. So we we often ended the season in debt, but you know we managed. You know, yeah. we, as a matter of fact, I I think I was telling somebody a, about a week ago, I I had I had gone through uh, a lot of material that I had saved over the years, and I right. compiled a. Uh, kind of a memory, you know, memorabilia book. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ran across a copy of our first, one of our first uh, registration forms. Okay. And our registration fee at the time, and I'm talking the early 60s, was $2.50. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> $2.50. And that bought you a whole, a whole uniform and, you know, yes. everything that went with it, yeah. Well, you must have been fairly successful at your fundraising if you, if you could put them on the field for $2.50. Well, you know, well, at, the, at the time, you know, again, you know, you're going back 50 yeah, years. Right. So, you know, things were, were not as expensive as they are today. You could buy a top-grade football then for 7 or $8. It costs mm -hmm. you about 25 or $30 now. You know? mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we... we, we we managed, mm -hmm. but, you know. We yeah. managed. What, what league were you in at that? We started, originally we, we were in the uh, Bucksmont League, okay. and that took in teams from Bucks County and Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. We went from, I think it was uh, the furthest most Western team was out in Pottstown, and we went out to... Southerton? Uh, we went up north to Southerton. Southampton? Uh, Southampton. Uh, uh, Lehigh, up in the Lehigh Valley there, and we went down to, uh, I don't think we had any Delaware County. No. But uh, we, 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 were in a, we were in a pretty good size area. I'd mm -hmm. say about 50, maybe travel-wise, about 50 miles from Away. one end to the other, yeah. And uh, 
we started out in Buckspont with, uh, I think we had about seven or eight teams and we grew it to about 16 and we had different conferences and everything. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the conference, it's, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the league itself grew, uh, but somewhere along the line. And I, and again, I, 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 I don't remember what the particulars were, but, uh, there was a feeling among some people in the organization that we should change, uh, change leagues. And we, we moved over to Burke Bell for maybe about three years. And then we joined Keystone, which was a new team, uh, a new league at the time. And we've been with Keystone ever since. Mm -hmm. And at the time when we moved up here, we played on Walker Field. No, not Walker. When we, not when we first moved up here. Okay, we moved around. We played at the old golf school. We were at the old golf school for we the first We moved around because we had no official home, mm -hmm. you know. Our first official home was Walker. Right. But there was nothing there. There was just grass. Nothing there. Um, originally, the field runs to the street. And originally, they had planned for the field to run this way, not this way. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but they settled that. And we had to line the field every time we used mm -hmm. it. Right. Okay. We used to buy lime in bags, five-pound bags. And we would have a big roll of twine and some tenpenny nails. Mm -hmm. We would stand at one end, hold the nail in the dirt with the twine wrapped around it, and the gentleman would run across or walk across right. the field. Yeah. And we would direct them this way or that way. And we came pretty close. close. <laughs> wasn't perfect, but, but it, it worked. worked. Yeah. We put the lime in a, a, a tin can with holes in right. the bottom. Right. Okay. And that's how the field was lined. And before we did that, we used to line the kids up at the, f at the street right. end uh -huh. with brown paper lunch bags. And they would walk all the way up to the end of the field okay, to pick up rocks right. and cans and yell if you see a piece of glass. We didn't <laughs> want them right. reaching down and getting yeah. hurt. And that's how we cleared the field. Then we lined it right. so that the boys could play. And at that time, we didn't have the luxury of the tack house uh, that we have today. And we still call it a tech house. The original building that the township put on it, uh, on Walker Field, I mean, right. uh, was actually a teenage activity center. And the, the, the reason for it, the purpose of it, was to have a place for the kids, for the teenagers to meet, congregate, and have fun without uh, 
them getting right. into trouble. Right. That uh, was the original intent of the building. Right. That's, we, we still call it the tack house. It was a mobile home, right? It was, <laughs> yes. Um, not a mobile home. It, one of those prefab uh, things. Right. I don't know the proper terminology. Right. But that's what it was. Right. At that time, we had no place to store equipment. Jerseys, helmets, pads. We had no place. And they were stored in the coaches' homes or garages. And as we had a better facility, then we, had, we stored this, so, the equipment in right. one place. Who um, coached the cheerleaders? Um, at that time, we had several, but they didn't last very long. They would stay maybe a year or two right. and then go into something else. Yes. Uh, one of the, I'll say old timers, okay, was Peg Rhodes. Uh, Peg was the one who got the cheerleaders together to wear a uniform. And we decided, mm -hmm. since our colors were red and white, okay, right. and those were the colors that we declared to the league mm -hmm. so that we didn't have any duplicates with other clubs. Right. Peg got the, uh, the girls to wear the skirts, the red skirts mm -hmm. with the white pleat inside right. Right. and uniform white sweaters. Before that, the girls were told, you have to wear a white sweater. Well, there are white sweaters mm -hmm. and there are white, white sweaters. sweaters right? <laughs> and yeah, Peg was just... the one who uh, got the girls together and their parents and said, this is the style and the sweater that we need for the girls. Right. She's the one who started that. When the, when the girls were in high school, uh, what was King of Prussia like at that time? Um, the court, the plaza. We so were, on. well, uh, they the court and the the court came later. Yeah. It was the plaza. Right. And we referred to it as the mall. Right. And uh, there weren't as many stores as there are now. Mm -hmm. Can you think of uh, any of the names of the stores at that time? Uh, oh, Gimbel's, Penny's. Penny's. Yeah. Uh, well, Sears Gimbel's is still there. Macy's, Macy's. Yeah. You remember Corvette? Corvette? Oh, positively. Oh, yeah. EJ when, Corvette. When we yes, first, sir. When we first moved here, what was that? Uh, the, uh, uh, the, not a five and dime, but... Uh, Grants. Grants, yeah. Uh, Grants was in the Valley Forge oh, Shopping Valley Center. Valley Center, yeah where Marshall's is now. Mm -hmm. But Grant's had a big fire. Right. And uh, um, it was the biggest thing that had happened in King of Prussia, Prussia. up until that, that time. time. And I remember I had a big coffee urn, one of those 40 cup coffee urns. Mm -hmm. I made it and drove up to the site. Right because we had firemen and, and EMTs and right. lots of people helping out. And uh, that was the best that I could do. Well, that was a lot. I'm sure it helped to uh, warm them up. Uh, well, you know, and we didn't have, uh, well, Michael's was Perry's at that time. Right. That's Perry's. Right. Walter yeah. Perry Perry's. owned the store. And 
which by the way, my two girls worked there on weekends. Mm -hmm. Both of them worked for Walt Perry at that time. It was great because they could walk there and, uh, and we didn't have to hold them here and there yeah. and, you know, yeah. late night hours and right. that kind of thing. Did, did, you, uh, did you do most of your shopping at the Valley Forge Shopping Center or at the... At the uh, no, uh, when we first moved to We used to have to go to, uh, we used to have to go to Norristown. I don't think yes. there, there was a big... Uh, supermarket there were at really that big time. supermarkets here at that time. Where did where'd you shop at the, in Norristown at the time? Was it a... a, a an A and P, uh, an A and P. Yeah, at that time, yes, A and P. And where in Norristown was that? Um, I don't know what they call it, North End or or what. Right, North End. Yes. I forget exactly where it was, but I I I do recall it. You know, we're we're talking back in the late fifties, right. and the only thing that was up at the Valley Forge Center at the time, there was a bank. There was the uh, Grants. I think there was a barber shop, and there was a uh, there was a bakery, a, a little donut bakery on store, a, a donut store on, on the, the corner. corner. And we would watch them making cinnamon buns right. and donuts. You could watch in the window. Okay. We were, and the kids were fascinated, <laughs> fascinated by that. Right. Um, the was. When you first moved here, was 202 just a two-lane road, or did they did they start with the uh, construction of yeah, the of the four uh, divided uh, highway? I don't think. Uh, I don't think it well, was four. Of, of course, you know, at that time it wasn't. Uh, it didn't have the kind of traffic that we had. And stores on both sides and that kind uh, of thing. Hmm. It wasn't that much. And mm -hmm. even on 202, down by, uh, down just across from the mall, there was homes there mm -hmm. that event, you know, eventually, you know, got sold out or businesses bought them or whatever. Right. And uh, uh, it was almost still re a little bit of residential there on 202 when we mm -hmm. first, as a matter of fact, we looked at a couple houses mm -hmm. that were on 202 up by, up by the, uh, up by, uh, the intersection there at Route 23 and 202, there were several homes in there that were up. A couple of them were up for sale. Luckily, we didn't buy up there because yeah, eventually <laughs> we'd had to move anyway. <laughs> well, well, it, it was commercial property. Probably wouldn't be worth a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, but uh, do you remember when they put in um, the, the uh, what well, used to be the Howard Johnsons there? Yeah, yeah, oh, yes. uh, across from the light there, yeah. yeah. We remember the Peacock Inn. And the oh, Peacock yeah, Inn. Yeah, and Johnny yeah. Kamuka's Tavern. Right, okay. <laughs> that was yes. probably, that was, at the time, that was probably the best food in in, uh, in King of Prussia. Yes, <laughs> it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, at the end of our uh, football season, mm -hmm. uh, the board those of us who were interested right. in keeping together, we would have a social. Mm -hmm. And there was a room upstairs in the Peacock Inn. When we called and we asked, could we come over? We would have, what, 20 people or right. so. Uh, they would put us up there yeah. and we had a ball. Mm -hmm. And it was the same with mm -hmm. uh, 
Howard Johnson. Right. They had a small conference center right. and uh, we would get together. It was fun because there was no pressure, no pressure. We had no, uh, hey, you know, it didn't matter if you were a coach or a team mother or whatever. And that brings me to another thought. When Dave was coaching, I was with him all the time. Uh, practices, game time. At that time, uh, you know, weigh-ins and all yeah, that. Sure. I was with him all that time. So I, beca I became very familiar with what was going on. Right. And because I was there all the time, um, I became the first team mother in the King of Prussia right. football organization. Congratulations. At that time, he'd turn around and when it was time to throw the kicking tee yeah, yeah. in, um, I was there. You, you were Mrs. Throw in there. <laughs> uh, I, that, really. And if the boys, if they did get hit and uh, they'd be on the field, I would wait until the coaches well went out. Right, they sure. went out first. Right. They went out first. I would wait until he would give me a nod or mm -hmm. make some indication that it was okay for me to come on the field. Mm -hmm. And I would go. And it was sometimes it was just, they just had the, the breath knocked out of them. Right. And sometimes after getting a hit, they were scared. And all it took was for me to say, you're okay, son. You're okay, son. In the meantime, they would have loosened his belt mm -hmm. or the tie right. of the sure. pants a little right. bit right. and loosened up here a right. little bit and they didn't mind if i was with them and i mean they weren't embarrassed sure. when i went to them i used to have a blanket in case some days were really cold really cold i would have a blanket if they got hurt sit them on the bench put a blanket around them sometimes just to warm their hands. And uh, it, it, and there's another thing I want to say. We've seen many, I would say, let me use the word hundreds of boys and girls that have gone through our program. Some of which have come back and have their own children. We have two and three generations sometime in our organization. And it is just gratifying to me to have them call, they always called him coach, always called him coach. And they would come up to me and hug me. We weren't related. Mm -hmm. But we had that closeness. And even today, even today, um, in the year, two, I'm a cancer survivor twice. In the year 2000 was my first bout with cancer. And this young man was about, well, I would say he was 13 years old. Tall, strapping kid. Came up to me, put his hands, 
like this and said, I will pray for you. And that touched me very much because I was never aware. I was not aware that he even knew prayers, you know. But to say that to me meant an awful lot. To this day, when he sees me, he hugs me, asks how I feel. Many, many kids do that, come up. We've seen them come from this high, from six years old. Now they start at five, but we've seen them grow to the different categories, grow before our eyes. Mm. And they come, speak with us, and it is very gratifying. People say, why did you stay this long? You didn't have, I mean, we had no boys, right. you know? Why did you stay this long? And I said, for the, for the kids. That's what it was about, the kids. We've, had we've, seen them, we've seen them grow. We've attended confirmations. We've attended graduations. We've attended marriages. And yes, even funerals. We've seen some of them go through bad times and good times. Mm -hmm. And we were always proud and, and glad to be included in their events and their lives, even today. We've had a wonderful experience. Yes, it's been, it's been gratifying to us. Uh, in March, we'll be here for 48 years. We've been members of King of Prussia Football Association Incorporated. In March of 06, we'll be here in, involved with, we are still involved. Sure. 48 years. And I understand the Indians are having a big celebration coming up. Yes, this year we're celebrating our 50th year in existence. Yeah, okay. 50th year in existence. Congratulations to the Indians. Oh, yes, we're very proud of that. It took a lot of people, a lot of time, and a lot of effort. A lot of cake sales <laughs> and cookie sales <laughs> and cupcakes. We right. would make cupcakes and sell them at that time for 10 cents each. 10 cents yeah. each was one way of earning money. Sure. I've won a lot of them. <laughs> oh, I guess you have. I know that we've hit you. I know that we've had you. We've a had of, a lot of hot dogs. Oh, yes, yes. And we didn't have the kitchen facilities that we have today. We had to take, I used to take two jugs of water, okay, two gallons mm -hmm. of water, one for drinking and one for emergencies because invariably sometime the kids would get lime on their hands. We were always afraid they'd get it in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And so I had a gallon special for that. That wasn't for drinking. Mm -hmm. uh, but we had no facilities down mm -hmm. there. We only had one line, electric line. Right. And we used that. I had a... Uh, uh, electric fry pan, which was about that deep, that square, and put water in it, and that's how we cooked our hot dogs. 
That's how we cooked our hot dogs. Well, you've come a long way. You really have. We sure have. We sure have. And you're to be congratulated. Well, you to be congratulated. We, uh, we appreciated and we loved what we were doing. Yeah. And we still do. Great. We still do. Well, I want to thank you very much for oh, you're welcome. The, the, the tales that you gave us. That's it for this edition of Remember When. The newly formed Upper Marion Township Local History Committee is collecting historical pictures and papers of Upper Marion, as well as family histories for placement in the library files. If you wish to make a donation, please drop it off at the reference desk in the library. If you would like to make a suggestion or comment on this program, please use the following contact information. Thanks for watching. Until next time and always, remember when. <laughs>